Thanks for joining us, everyone, on Vintage McCoy. Tonight is the one I've been looking forward to all week as we've been with Gabriel Finocchio. This is the issue of issues. Uh, th this is the one that if we don't get it right, we are in a world of hurt. I'm thinking about all the folks across the country who said, you know, I, I watched Fox News and I bought a pillow and I can't understand how the president I wanted to be elected didn't get elected. And you're all distraught and you're wondering where God is in all of this. But let's not forget, just like with Lincoln, when he was looking at the Civil War and the nation divided, it was over the most grievous and moral misery the nation had ever seen that had infiltrated the warp and the woof of the fabric of the country. And that was slavery. Well, in our day and age, we have a moral issue that is so serious that it has infiltrated the church and the moral fabric of this country, and it must be dealt with. And that's the issue of life, because we have aborted more children than, gosh, the entire population of Canada. And so tonight, Gabriel Finocchio, who's been with us all week, is going to be touching on this subject, and I can't think of anyone better, with the exception of maybe our own Seth Gruber. But from the perspective of Gabriel, it's going to be a really cool perspective that a brain like his can only come up with. So buckle up, get ready. We'll see you in a bit. Kairos, this is your moment. Liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. We must participate in the public square. This is a moment in time that will define history as we know it furtherance of America as we know it. That's a powerful gift, freedom. And we're not gonna bow to tyranny. This isn't me standing, it's us. This is the moment for the body of Christ. We pray that there would be an awakening and a revival in the nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know you guys have been seeing that introduction all week as, as we, we've been showing it in the past, and we actually did create a new one, but I wanted him to take it off and correct it because I didn't like the closing picture at the end where you had Mount Rushmore, and it looked like my face was included. Uh, yeah, I don't belong on Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah, all those guys are in the book of who's who. I'm in the book of who's he, and I just wasn't comfortable with it. So they're fixing it. We'll bring it back up. But in the meantime, you have to deal with that old one, which isn't too bad. I really like that one. All right, enough rambling. Hey, listen, uh, this issue tonight, uh, the life issue, abortion, I, I, was, I was taken aback when Gabriel posted this, and I saw it, and I went, wait, what? He actually said, I'm not pro-life. And I thought, man, this is one of my heroes. This is a guy that I, I, I love, Theos Yu. He said, five reasons why I'm not pro-life. And it, it just, I immediately was, was drawn to it. And then I, I caught it. He tricked me, the sneaker. He said, number one, because I'm anti-abortion. Two, because I'm anti-euphemism. Three, because I am pro-capital punishment. Four, because I'm pro-just war. And five, because I'm pro-family. And, and of course, you have to break that down. And, and it, it requires a brilliance and insightfulness. But it's true. And tonight, Gabriel's going to touch on this. Gabriel, thanks for joining us yet again. Uh, this, this is our concluding time together, but I'm going to have you back on the program, and especially when we have a longer format. But in our program tonight, uh, can, can you share and elaborate on what caused you to put it out that way? 
and to really touch on a term that we've become endeared to. I mean, you've got pro-life clinics and pro-life ministries, and all of a sudden you say, I'm not pro-life, and here, wait, what? It was brilliant. Right. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Talk to me. Well, <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate the uh, the mercy and compassion you've had on me uh, for saying that I'm not pro-life, but I, I I didn't really mean to to be too much of a trickster, but I did really want to uh, collide with something that I think has been really an obstacle in the pro-life movement. And, and, and what I think is, I think I identified five obstacles, yeah. but I think that the, the term itself, pro-life, just in my opinion, I think it needs a rebrand because I think that the pro-life movement has been punching with the gloves on. And I think it's time to, to punch with the gloves off. I think what we need to do is we need to uh, uh, assess what, what, as proper strategists, assess what, what our results have been and say, you know what, if it's not hot enough, then we need to turn the heat up. And I think that real political change comes when men really radicalize in their notions and ideas. I, I look at the founding fathers and I say, these men believed what they wrote. I look at Thomas Jefferson and say, he, he was a radical for the inalienable rights of man that do not come from government, pa but come yeah, from Yeah, Patrick God. Henry too, Patrick Henry, uh, even Jonathan Mayhew, where, where John Adams said, you know, disobedience to tyrants is obedience to God. I mean, those are radical concepts. Yeah, you're yes. right. And Take so the gloves off. Use, when we use that word radical, it means root. And so we need to go back to the roots. We, you know, Chesterton famously said, a problem can only be solved by a principle. We have to go back to the first principles of our civilization, go back to the first principles of our movement. And I believe that, you know, I started out by saying the, the, main, the primary reason why I'm not pro-life is because I'm actually primarily anti-abortion. I want to be known as someone, someone who opposes abortion more than, I, uh, th than I'm trying to advocate for uh, uh, some amb ambiguous euphemistic term of life. I'm trying to say this needs to stop. And I use the example of a, <laughs> a, a crocodile eating somebody uh, and e eating a woman. And the first, the first I image of that, as you're even thinking about it, is repulsion. You know, I'm repulsed by abortion. I actually think this is, is it, it's, it's terrifying. It's horrifying. And that is why I oppose it. I'm, I'm not thinking about, well, if I save this woman from the crocodile, is she going to have free health care afterwards? <laughs> you know, if I save this woman from the crocodile, you know, her, some of her clothing might come off and God forbid I see some, some things I don't want to see. Those aren't, those are afterthoughts. I'm not saying those aren't legitimate thoughts, but they're afterthoughts. The primary right. thought is that we need to be totally and completely uh, aligned uh, with with the collision of this this ideology that is anti-human, inhuman, and murderous. And and we need to, in my opinion, rebrand the pro-life movement as anti-abortion. We because what's ended, what's becoming very popular is. People are beginning to add appendixes 
you know, hundreds of appendixes to this movement and saying, well, because we're pro-life, we're also pro-immigration and pro-this and pro-that. And I say, no, 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 no. This is a very singular movement because this is a very singular problem. People, human beings are being murdered in the womb. And that is a problem that is a primary society. Violently and viciously murdered. Yes, violently ripped apart. Murdered. Ripped apart. Absolutely. Yes, sucked out with vacuums. It is. It is. It is grotesque. It is disgusting. It is a human rights violation. And I believe it is the primary political evil of our society. I believe that abortion is the test of every other political issue in our society. And I believe that the judgment of God. You know, Thomas Jefferson famously said that he he shuddered when he thought of the justice of God in its relation to slavery. And I, I shudder to think of the justice of God in its relation to abortion. I do not believe that the, the murder and massacre of, of innocent children goes unpunished by God. And I, I think that we need to rise up. If there is any issue politically that should align and mobilize and compel Christians of, of every denomination to, to, to come together and unite, it's this issue of, of gross murderous evil because it is, the, it is the hinge, I really believe, of the wickedness of our culture. And so- Gabriel, it, with, with the, the Declaration of Independence, you, you brought up Jefferson, where, where he says, we, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights. And then he puts it in a very distinct order, among those being life. Yes. Then liberty, then the pursuit of happiness or virtue. Happiness is the highest virtue. Right. You see, liberty and, and happiness are worthless without life. Yes. And, and this, this nation has always been about life. Yes. And, and the minute we, uh, I, 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 like I said, I too, I shudder. I, I mean, God's been merciful to us. M- millions. We, we right. make Nazi Germany look like a walk in the park. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's because we have, in my opinion, uh, failed. And we do need to recognize failure as it, as it is. We need to be real with ourselves here. You know, <laughs> we're real with ourselves when we want to lose weight. We're real with ourselves when we're trying to pass, a, 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 you know, our SATs or what our high school diploma or whatever it is. We're real with ourselves in every other area of our life, we gotta be real morally with ourselves. We gotta look at ourselves and assess ourselves morally. And we need to see where we have failed morally. And and, and, and this, this notion of giving up because, you know, well, it's just been so long and laborious and well, you know, so was slavery. You know, so were many movements within the church uh, and within our, our 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 nation to 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 properly uh, cleanse us of of wickedness and evil. So we have we are we have to commit to being in in this for the long haul, and we can't get distracted. We can't get uh, fall into despair. But the the second reason why I'm why I said that I was and uh, not pro life was because I'm anti euphemism. I'm anti this idea of calling uh, you know everything a life issue, which I just touched upon. And really, the issue is that we have turned the pro-life movement into a big tent, and it's not. It's not a big tent. Again, it, we, we need to zero back in on the abortion issue, and we need to say, 
any legislation that, that encourages this is absolutely unacceptable. Any equivocation on this issue is absolutely unacceptable. We, we need to radicalize on this issue. And I think really it, it does boil down to how we communicate ourselves. That's true. I, I think even, even when you look at slavery in the United States, you had John Brown, so you have abolitionists that are, you know, this is the line in the sand and, and, and we're not going to tolerate any more. And then you had incrementalists and folks mm -hmm. that were contending. And even look at, at William Wilberforce, who's contending in the, in the British Parliament for over 50 years. And they ended slavery in the British Empire, what, 35 years before America did. Right. And we ended up losing 650,000 soldiers on a field of battle because we, we never came to terms with it. But they, right. they operated within the context of their government to end it. So whatever, however we approach that, the, the bottom line is it needs to stop. Yes. And the church needs to be that, that mouthpiece, that, that we don't yes. put up with it anymore. And from yes. our pulpits, we declare that. And it doesn't have to be popular. You're, you're not going to get on social media. You're going to be scorned by others. But you have to be able to contend in the public square, in the ecclesia, with those ideas of life. You have to. Because you don't get well, that right. Everything else is a waste of time. I agree with you. And we're seeing, you know, false equivalence after false equivalence taking place where people are comparing unborn children murdered in the womb grotesquely to children who are brought over the border and who are without parents many times and who are actually, you know, many times being sold into uh, sex slavery and things like this. But we are, we are, we are, these, these issues of, of political importance are being, are being compared to an issue of moral importance. You see, that's I see. I see so many things being talked about as, you know, po political issues. Like, what do you? Well, you 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 don't believe in in uh, you believe in helping the unborn, but you don't believe in helping the the poor. And I I say, well, that's a false equivalence. The poor aren't being massacred in the womb. <laughs> yeah. And well, so and, and we all we also get we also get. You're you're pro you're pro life in the womb, but not when the child's out of the womb, which is it's 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 a lie. But they they lie. they want to conflate the two. It's still a lie, but they want to conflate the two as though somehow Christians don't care about a child after it's born, when the the number one group of people on the entire planet that adopt more and participate in foster yes. care yes. is our Christian families. So you know, yes. put that in your pipe and smoke it, but yes. back it up. It still doesn't justify the Holocaust of innocent human lives being ripped apart in their mother's womb. You aren't, that is, that is wrong. And we have to awaken to that. It's an atrocity. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Yes. And so it's just, I do believe that the, the pro-life movement has suffered um, defeat because of inconsistency. I believe it's suffered defeat because of compromise I believe it's it's suffered defeat because of truces and treaties that should never have been made. Um, and I just, to be honest with you, I think, again, we just need to get back to the basics. We need to cut the fat, trim the fat. We need to tone up, lean, get lean again as a movement and say, you know what? This is what defines me as a conservative. This is what defines me as a Christian on a, on a political and moral level, which Again, I was talking about liberalism in the church, and 
the second point I was I was I actually wasn't able to make because we were you know talking about everything else and it was wonderful was that what we've also suffered from is this notion which is connected to the Jesus woke Jesus memes that I'm personally opposed to abortion but I I don't allow it to affect my politics and it's just crippling everything that we do. We have to understand that this is a moral issue. We also have to understand that it's a form of liberal Christianity that says my religion is a private affair. Yeah. It, it is, it, it, that is not, we can, we can talk about separation of church and state all day, but, but there is one thing that, that is absolutely missing from every single founding document, and that is the separation of religion and politics. Don't tell me that the founding fathers did not allow their religious views and convictions in the soul to affect the society. I, I, I totally disagree with that. I think these men were motivated by their religion to sign proper and good and righteous laws into, into, um, into being. And so, you know, Gabriel, wait, 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 wait. I'm, you know, I'm personally opposed to death camps like Auschwitz and Treblinka, um, but I, I wouldn't politically, you know, contend with Hitler because Romans 13 says I'm supposed to submit to the authorities because they're appointed by God. That is the absurdity that we're dealing with. That is that yeah. is precisely that is precisely something that I would share on the woke Jesus memes. Uh, Do it, that steal is... it. That one, I would be honored if you take that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely tag you in it. But I think that you know that is that is yeah that is the the absurdity of the argument, and and it's simply what I think it, it boils down to is just a desire not to mess with. The sexual revolution, because we do we do see that out of the sexual abortion was the stillborn child of the sexual revolution. What we see is that the sexual revolution has been used as a means of controlling the masses, so that we and, and, and this is straight out of a page of Huxley's Brave New World, that dystopian novel that talks about uh, sexual license being ta taking place within this dystopia and being used to control people. Because you, you see this, that people are controlled by their, if you allow sex to be unleashed in society with zero consequence, it, can, it is used to control people. Just as, just as it, it was used to control Samson, to blind him and to, and to further enslave him. People think that sexuality is being emancipated through the sexual revolution, and it is actually causing the society to be further and further enslaved in sin. And yeah. so, what we have to what we have to understand is that, uh, you know, we are we have to mess around with the sexual revolution. We have to contradict it. We have to say no. We will not worship this god sex, and and we and we will not sacrifice our children as they sacrifice children to Moloch. We will not sacrifice our children. We will stand in righteousness. And for uh, uh, for for life in that sense, but particular so, to um, human life. So so from the from from the, the the scriptures, sex is a gift from the Lord of an expression of of intimacy between a husband and a wife. Yes. So so you connect on the trichotomy of man, body, soul, and spirit, mm -hmm. and and. It, for those who are married, I always say there's the three rings of marriage. There's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. 
<laughs> and, 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 and people giggle at that. But, but if you're going to isolate the pleasure, and, and sex is pleasurable, if you isolate yes. the pleasure without the responsibility, then, then what happens is you, you avoid the pain. And, and pain is a gift from God because uh, pain is, is showing us that we're out of alignment with his purposes, the laws of nature, nature's right. God. So, right. you know, you, you, you violate the law of gravity, you will experience pain. Yes. And, and you isolate the pleasure to avoid the pain. That's why God spends, what, two and a half, almost three chapters on Hansen's disease, leprosy, which is a disease that destroys pain receptors. So you don't yes. feel anything. And all yes. you are is a, a walking rot, a, a, a dying person whose limbs are falling off as infection riddles your body and you're stepping on nails and burning your hand. You feel nothing. So if they want a world without pain, then they just need to go to a leper colony. But mm. God gives us pain and you can't isolate pleasure without a consequence. Right. And that consequence, you may not feel the pain, but society will and the children being ripped apart will feel that pain. Yes. And society will feel that pain. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's going to come due. It, yes. Anyone using drugs understands this. Anyone who's ever been addicted will understand this. Yes. That you are, you, are, you are removing pain, isolating pleasure. Life goes on without you, but when that wears off, the pain comes back, and, and, and now your family's distraught. You're alienated from them. Mm -hmm. you're, you're a rotting corpse. It's like the people in Sac, uh, San Francisco. You know, you, we're giving them hypodermic needles, so they're, they're using heroin, and they're just nodding, and they're emaciated, and they're defecating themselves, and they're yes. walking dead people, but they're feeling no pain. And, and, and if you're going to get off that drug, you're, you're going to have to catch up because that pain's going to come. I've been through withdrawals. I know that feeling. And, and this is a culture that has isolated the pleasure, and now we're we're reaping the pain of, of destroying children. Right. And we, we've got to wake up and, and own this yes. and, and stop it. Yes. Yes. And well, we've, we've exalted Eros as a false God in our culture. In, instead of properly, uh, uh, you know, dealing with Eros as a subject of love, uh, C.S. Lewis famously dealt with it in his book, The Four Loves, where there is a place for eros, there is a place for sexuality. What we've done is we've allowed sexuality and the fire of it to consume and to, to let loose in our society and consume, consume our society. And so we have to challenge these false gods. We have to go after them and, and identify them and identify the connection between abortion and the sexual revolution and stand against these issues and say, no, I will not be degenerate. I will, I, will, I will marry the woman that I date. I won't live and play, play marriage, play games with it. I will marry her and I will have children with her and I will stay together with her and I will sacrifice because that's the other thing about pain. And just as an aside on a spiritual note here, you know, uh, on a devotional note, I should say, we have to understand that pain is actually meaningless without the cross. Without Christ, we don't understand ultimately the problem of pain. Christ comes to show us that pain and suffering are supposed to turn into sacrifice. That's and right. when we properly have a proper understanding of the gospel, we begin to understand that the pain in our lives 
can be offered up to the Lord as sacrifices, that we are to live and offer our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord, which is our reasonable worship to him. That, that, and that gives meaning to sacrifices, the sacrifices of marriage, the sacrifices of raising a parenthood, because it is a sacrifice to raise a child. It is a yeah. sacrifice to have to have one and, and to wipe diapers and pay for things and raise it and deal with the headaches. But it's 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 a sacrifice that is done from love that compels us to love our neighbor, even if our neighbor is the child in our womb. You you, you talk about being a parent sacrifice. Uh, Eros is selfish it's for objects never for people but then you look at you look at agape love which is eros is the love that a, a newborn baby has for its mother mm. she she looks at the mother or the baby looks at the mother as an object it's it's the milk wagon survival and they're selfish right. the, the child's selfish they don't care if it's two in the morning they want to be fed <laughs> yeah but then but then agape is the, re, the reverse that's the mother's love for the child that she she's given birth she's exhausted but she'll wake up at two in the morning to feed this child that any noise it makes out of either end results in a mess Right. But then phileo is a mutual love, having, being of like mind, having the same love, let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you, where you, you've both laid your life down to serve one another. And when Christ, it, it, was, it was the joy set before him that he endured the pain of the Via Dolorosa. Yes. Because he, he, he had a desire to lay his life down, that there would be a, a reconciliation. And that's in marriage. I mean, you've, you've got two warring entities <laughs> that are selfish creatures yes. that, that find intimacy by laying their life down. Right. And that's, that's such a, a powerful picture. And, and I want to share this with you and then run with it. I, I was speaking, and I did a lot of this in public schools, talking about abstinence. And I was talking about the four most intense drives of a male adolescent that has a sexual thought every 15 to 20 seconds, whether major or minor. You know, young men are thinking about all the time. I got to go to math class. Oh, you know, thinking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I said the four most intense drives of a male adolescent is air, then go about three minutes without air, water, three days without water, then food, and then, then sex. And, oh. and, and, and the sexual peak of a male in their teens and late teens, and, 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 and then it begins to slowly decline. And, and this one kid says, well, wait a minute. And, and he invoked God, and I wasn't permitted to do that in the public school, but he said, and, and all the girls thought he was cute. He was like the BMOC. He goes, wait a minute. You're telling me the four, four most intense drives of a male is my sex drive, and then you're talking about abstinence, and that my sex drive peaks at 19, but I'm supposed to wait until I get married? Why would God make me this way and say, wait, is he cruel or something? I'll never forget this as long as I live. And, all the, and he, he added this. He goes, don't you test drive a car before you buy it? And all the girls mm. started giggling. And I looked at him and I go, and, and I honestly, I, I kind of thought God was cruel at that point because mm. I'm, I'm, I was struggling. And I said, you know, yeah, you do test drive a car before you buy it. But if I'm not mistaken, a car is an object. Right. And, and all the girls were like, yeah. You know, and then I said, I said, why would God make you this way? Well, my answer, and I told him, it was a guy I talked about earlier in the talk. I, I said, my answer is Jeff. And, and they knew that I was talking about Jeff. And they go, he goes, what do, you, what do you mean Jeff? And I said, 
Well, this is a guy that was a virgin, and the very first time he kissed a woman was on his wedding day, his wife at the altar when he said, I do, and his very first sexual experience was on their honeymoon. Wow. And, and I said, I said he, <clears throat> he had denied the fourth most intense drive he possesses, and, and, he, and he put it on hold. And you can't do without air, you can't do without water, and you can't do without food, but you can hold off on sex. And, right. and he said, well, why would God make me that way? And I said, it's real simple. I said, Jeff is my friend. I, I, I was watching a football game with him, fourth quarter. <clears throat> he was a Raiders fan. I hated the Raiders. The score was tied. They're within the 10-yard line, getting ready to score, a minute remaining on the clock. And we're glued to the television. His wife comes in with groceries. And I kid you not, the guy turned off the TV and helped her in with the groceries. I'm like, dude, the TV's on. And then we're, we're at their house. There's a dinner party. <clears throat> His wife's having a conversation. Their two-year-old comes in with a dirty diaper. Just, just It's like Moses parting the Red Sea. Birds are falling out of the sky. And the kid comes up to him. And if it was my kid, I'd go, hey, go find your mother. And he goes, hey, let's go change that diaper. And, and I, I pointed out, I said, I looked at that kid and I said, do you have a good dad? He goes, no, my, my dad left my mom. I said, wouldn't you have liked to have had a father like Jeff? And don't you wish your mother had had a husband like Jeff? A guy who works a 60-hour work week and still comes home to his kids and loves on them and makes it to all their soccer games and their baseball games. He's, he's a servant. You see, God takes that fourth most intense drive, puts it on hold to teach you how to deny yourself in order right. to serve others. Right. It, it's, it's, he's making men. Yes. And, and the world absolutely. doesn't get that. So well, that's that. that well, that's I, I totally agree. And that's why the church has always taught that that sexuality comes under the virtue of temperance, which is where is. we get which is where we get the virtue, which is self-control. And, and that chastity, that that virtue of chastity is developed through self-control. And it's it's a it's a virtue of self-mastery. That is the work of a lifetime. We're not, you know, I, I, you know, I think it was a church father that 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 taught that there's three types of chastity. There's 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 single chastity, which is you know being being a single person and abstaining from sex. But then there's also marital chastity, where you abstain from having sex with people outside of marriage. And I'll just say this: that if you don't practice chastity before marriage, you won't have chastity after marriage. The men who are profligate, who are philanderers before marriage, the men who are the playboys, living by the playboy philosophy, they are playboys after marriage. And that's... And so le and, and, and less, unless they're a new creature in Christ, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Absolutely. But of, I agree with you. <clears throat> but, but, but a vice is a vice. I got gotcha. you. A vice is a vice. We have to understand... A new create with with the grace of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things. So there is hope because we can we can through the power of the Holy Spirit as a new creature in Christ, being regenerated, we can mature. But that that maturity is the life of virtue. That is the right. virtue, and and the life of virtue isn't a bippity boppity. I'm perfect. That's not the life of virtue, at least in my life. Maybe I'm not a Christian. <laughs> but oh come on. The life, the life of the life of virtue is the is the work of a lifetime through the power of the Holy Spirit through the grace of God working in my life to to form me and shape me. But I have to be willing. I have to cooperate right. with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And so, so we have to talk. We have to begin to talk about these things as virtues 
that are rooted in not self-interest, but self-mastery, self-control. And that's why I think the greatest form of birth control is self-control. <laughs> Amen. That's a good so, word. Yeah. Well, um, and, 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 and when that's applied, you, you never have to worry about venereal disease. You never have to worry about pregnancy, you know, because your whole life has been focused on, on being a servant to a family. And, yes. and, you know, my wife and I have been married 31 years this month, and we've got five kids. And, and I've, I've said this before, but the definition of a father is a man who carries pictures of his children in his wallet where his money used to be. Wow. And they're expensive. And, and the, the number of vacations and the, the countries we would have seen and the luxury would have, we would have enjoyed had we not had any of those children. Yes. But yet, I, my father in the throes of Alzheimer's taught me a lesson that he would give you a tour of the house as a coping mechanism, and then he'd give you another tour of the house when he was done with that, and another tour of the house when he was done with that. And he'd take you upstairs and show you the hallway, and on the right side were all of his accomplishments. Left side were all the pictures of the family. He was a Navy captain, three tours of Vietnam. He had Time articles. He was a president of the Chamber of Commerce, president of the Rotary. He never showed you the right side of the wall. Wow. In, in the declining memory of his mind, all he would show you was his family. Wow. Because he understood the value. This, 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 was, this was the substance of his life. What, is it, what does it profit a man to gain the world yet lose his soul? Mm -hmm. and, 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 the, and, and we hear that the Bible is the offensive weapon of God. It's the sword of Scripture. But there's one more offensive weapon, and it says that children are a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full. They're arrows that you shoot into a future you're never going to see to affect it for Christ. And, and you're pouring well, into them, and it requires yes. selflessness. Yes. And, and, and that, that's a high and noble calling that we've neglected because of selfishness. And that's precisely it. And that actually leads to the last point that I made on why I'm anti, on why I'm not pro-life. Because I'm pro-family. I want people to, to begin to understand that the, the, the pro-life movement is about having children, not killing them. Not only not killing them, but also having them. That we right. are, we are pro-child. We are, and children make that family. And you know, the, 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 uh, this is such a profound issue. Talk about a trigger. When you talk about children, you you are triggering the selfishness in 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 a, in a collectively in both a, a husband and a wife. You know, marriage challenges the selfishness in in both the man and the woman, but having children challenges the collective selfishness, not just the individual selfishness, but the collective selfishness of the husband and wife together. And they have to both sacrifice for that child. But the truth is, is that that man who was showing people that side of the wall with his family, he understood, in my opinion, that even though uh, you have these wonderful monuments that are given to you, uh, th for accomplishments and achievements, you can't take those accomplishments and achievements with you. The only right. accomplishments and achievements that you can take with you are your family. You can, tr yeah. if you train up your children in the way of the Lord, if you if you evangelize your children, you can take them with you to heaven. Isn't that awesome? There is it something is. you there is something you can take with you. It's called your kids, and you can yeah, create you, a. You store your treasures in heaven. I'm sorry, you store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust, rust will not destroy and thieves will not break in and steal. And, and where a man's uh, heart is, where's, where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. So the only thing going to heaven 
is people. And more yes. importantly, the only people you're entrusted as stewards over are right. your kids. And you have to give yes. an accounting to the Lord for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry I interrupted you. What were you going to say? I, I just got excited about that. My bad. No, I love that. That's, I, I totally agree. So we have to come to a point where we're not only just anti the killing of a child, but we're pro the birth of a child. So when people say, well, you're just pro-birth, I say, well, I'm not just pro-birth, but I am pro-birth. <laughs> I, I think we should encourage policies politically that encourage families to have children, not yeah. discourage them to have children. We should, we should have families that, you know, we should want to build a great and awesome family. And, and, and because the family is, as I said before, the foundation of all society. Society is simply a collection of families writ large. Think, think about this. I, I, I saw the mathematics on it. You, you, you did a, let's just say you did a Billy Graham crusade every day, um, which would be a, a fundamental, an enormous undertaking. And, and you, you get a 10% response on all the folks that would attend coming forward. And they've done the, the work and they, they see after a year, maybe 10 to 20% are still walking with the Lord after they've come forward to profess a faith in Christ. And, and, and that's going to take a long time to evangelize the world. But you, you take one family raising a positive birth rate, three or more kids, and, and instilling in them and discipling them and raising them in the way that they should go. Then they go on to have three or more kids Within, within, I think it's three or four generations, you've evangelized an enormous portion of the world simply by raising godly children in a godly family yes. and, and denying yourself for the sake of them and pouring into their lives. And yet yes. we, we, we live our lives for ourselves. I mean, what, what, what can I do? I'm going to wait until I have kids. I want to wait until I... It, that, that, I mean... You were brought into this earth by selflessness, and, and, yes. and, and God redeemed you by his selflessness, and now it's all about you? Right. So I, it, it, we, well, we've, we've, got to, we've got to get back to being pro-family, pro-children, pro—yeah, I love which it, is the Gabriel. Meaning, That's awesome. Which is the, which is the, the, the result—it's not the, the only point of sex, but it is the result of sex that the two become one flesh— and that one flesh is both spiritual through the consummation of marriage and, and, and intimacy, but also it's, it's I believe that the one flesh is literal. I believe that, that there is an incarnation of love. A child is the incarnation of the love that a, that a husband and wife have for one another. Amen. Good word. That's solid. I, I want let, to, let, let's, let's. Let's put an exclamation on point on that and, and let yeah. people get back to their dinner time. What do you say? Cool. Let's do it. Yeah, or making babies, whatever. whatever yeah, yeah. You know. get busy, folks. Hey, yeah. <laughs> that, blessed is a man whose quiver is full. So, uh, Come hey. on, 12 arrows in a quiver, last time I yeah. checked. We're going to put some Barry White on. and No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm in trouble. I just lost everybody. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. Gabriel, it has been a wonderful week. I've so enjoyed hearing your insights and your thoughts. I, I, this, is, this is not a request, it's a demand. You're going to be back, and we're going to cover other topics. And, and I, want you, I, want, I want you to share as, we're get, as we close the program, I want you to tell everyone how they can stay connected with you. Sell it. Just share with everybody all of your social media connections. 
lead them there, please. They need this. Sure, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. This has been amazing. Great connecting with you. Uh, I you think too. I, th I, 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 I just, I'm so honored that you would have me. Um, but we have at TheosU a website called theosu.ca. So it's spell it, it's, spell it for them. Spell it for them. They're like me. Yeah. So T H E O S U dot C A. Theosu dot C A. So if you go to our website, you can subscribe. We're kind of like the Netflix for theology, where you subscribe. I think it's at fourteen dollars a month right now, and. You uh, have access to all of, of this distilled theology. We'll take you verse by verse through the book of Romans in a distilled way. It's, it's not academic, so you're not burdening yourself. You can you know, have access anytime, anywhere. Um, and we are you know, dealing with hot topics. We're dealing with cultural issues. We have um, one-hour classes, short classes on transgenderism or you know, homosexuality or abortion. I taught a class on abortion. And so uh, we have a, uh, if you're on Instagram, we have an Instagram handle, Theos, U, uh, Theos University. Uh, that's our, our Instagram handle. So you can find us uh, that way as well. And repeat the woke Jesus one too. Oh yeah. The woke Jesus uh, Instagram is woke Jesus Christ. So he's our, he, he's our woke Jesus Christ instead of our Lord Jesus Christ. To some, he's become the woke Jesus Christ. So. <laughs> Satire, everybody. Don't forget that. <laughs> I, I want to I add this, that the, the 15 bucks a month, I know you, you said 14, but the, let's just round it. The 15 bucks a month, that's, that's three cups of coffee at uh, you know, some corporation that is woke and ruining America that you've been buying lattes from. And, and, and for 15 bucks a month, you're going to have access to so many wonderful tools to contend in this culture that you need to apply and put in your toolbox. And, and I, I pay that. I'm stoked by it. It has been well worth every penny, and I'm honored by it. And, uh, and all the work you guys put into it, thank you. And uh, thanks for being our guest. You've been a tremendous blessing. I look forward to you being back. Amen? Thank you, Pastor Rob. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Well, that's Gabriel Finocchio. We've had a wonderful week. He's going to be back. Please check out all of the websites that he and the Instagram locations that he outlined. And um, I, I tell you, what a week. We're going to go longer format in the coming weeks. I just had a really busy one. I wanted to be with you. Um, Pastor Rick at times will be filling in for me. But we are continuing fully with Vintage McCoy. We're not going anywhere. We're developing our own server so that soon, uh, if, if YouTube wants to keep messing with us, we won't have to worry about that. We are in it for the long haul. This is the place to be strengthened. This is Vintage McCoy, where history matters. Thanks for joining us. God bless you all, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.